The following episode of The Law, live audio wrestling, is dedicated to the memory of our fallen brother, Rob Thompson, better known to wrestling fans as Rob Rage. We here at SMNE Radio and The Law send our deepest condolences to Rob's friends, family, fans, and his peers. The cream of the crop! Who the f*** is that guy? I'm better than you! And you know it! This is The Law. Live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Law Live Audio Wrestling, right here each and every week on SNME Radio, as well as all of your favorite podcast service providers, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, even the ones that we don't remember the names, wherever you get it, you're going to hear us, The Law Live Audio Wrestling. And it is my pleasure to also introduce to you my co-host, my alibi, my weekly ride or die, Little Brady Weta. Brady, how you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic this evening, my friend. We just had one of the craziest weeks of the fall. Well, it's almost winter now, but I guess it's still technically the fall. But we had a really crazy week in not only combat sports, but just in pro wrestling in general. My friend, I'm doing fantastic. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, and we are going to get into it because there is so much to talk about. I I don't even want to... Whew, I don't want to waste much time, but we are going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about a Halloween Havoc recap with our very own. I don't know if you guys know this or not. We have our own Swifty. That's right. We didn't have to wait for Travis Kelsey. We didn't have to wait for the tour to hit the town that we're in. Little Brady Wedham got his own Swifty. And that Swifty is going to be giving us a recap on Halloween Havoc. Then if that wasn't enough, we are going to hear from a man who has so much history with this show, with the name of the show, with myself included. We're talking about Big Daddy Donnie is going to give you the rundown about everything that happened at WWE's Crown Jewel this past weekend. You don't want to miss it because if there's anything that this guy knows, it is the WWE product. He is brilliant at being able to break it down and give it right back to you in ways that you'd never even thought of. So stick around for that. Then we're going to talk a little bit of UFC. Brady and I are going to sit down and uh, recap very quickly what happened at UFC Fight Night, Almeida versus Lewis, and then give you a little bit of a a, a preview, so to speak, of UFC 295 coming up. And if that weren't enough, dude, I am so excited for that. But you know what? That's not enough. That is not nearly enough for what we're going to give you. But that's a lot. That's a lot in one episode. You're telling me we're going to give them more? But wait, that's not all. You'll also get Act Now, and you'll get a sit-down interview that I did with AEW Superstar, the Perfect Ten. I don't know why. I give him a six and a half. He's not that good looking. Hmm. I'm talking about Sean Spears. And Sean and I go back way, way, way back 
good friend of mine. He'll be a good friend of yours because he's a hell of a performer and one hell of a man. So you're going to want to stick around. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to hear. We're going to get right into it, Brady. We're going to hear from your Swifty. Yes. Your Swifty. Steve Swift. Swift. From across the pond. Our James Bond from across the pond as he breaks down two nights of Halloween Havoc. And now he might be upset, but I'm giving him only classic punk instrumental backgrounds as he does this. Uh, it's the it's the greatest thing ever. It is. And you're listening to The Law, the greatest show ever. Live audio wrestling right here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, friends, listeners, and newcomers. This is Eric B., and I am the host of the Impactful Podcast. On the Impactful Podcast, we're going to break down everything Impact Wrestling each week. That includes everything that goes on in the background, everything that happens on TV, and everything that you're hearing on the news and social media. So please join me each week and live life impactfully. The wonderful thing about Havoc was Havoc was lots of fun. Lots and lots of fun. And the matches were there to stun. They were. They were there to stun. Some of them. I mean, actually, I can't think of a stinker on the two nights of Halloween Havoc. I can think of some things that were a bit dodgy. Second night, the long Scooby-Doo metaphor thing was a bit boring but only because we'd seen it before. However, the sense of fun was, was right there. From the beginning, when you got um, all of the costumes from Shotzi and Scarlet, you know? Shotzi as Pinhead was, that's a great way to start, isn't it? Well, we started with a band, you know? And, uh, and then Shotzi as Pinhead was lovely. I did enjoy that, I thought that was excellent. And two of the matches from Spin the Wheel Make the Deal, because as I said, that worked so well in WCW when Jake the Snake did it, didn't it? A coal miner's glove match. What, what's, a, what's a coal miner's glove? It's a glove, a big glove. Right, well, could, could we not have had a tables match? Coal miner's glove! Oh, all right, fair enough. And um, we had two of those matches on the first night. So I'll deal with those two first. I'll deal with the second first, and then the first second. So second first, first second. The second one was... The, no, the Lights Out match. Yeah. Lights Out match. Um, with uh, Gigi Dolan and um, Blair Davenport. And really, it's as if they cr- they'd said, well, a Lights Out match sounds good, doesn't it? And so they, they decided to make the wheel and spin the wheel, Steve. Not make the wheel. If they were making the wheel, that would have taken ages. I probably would have thought, oh, come on. At least have some matches. I don't want to see you make it, although it's very nice. I mean, you know, it's good carpentry and everything, and I can see the tools you're using, but I'm really here to watch wrestling. Yes, spin the wheel, make the deal. They'd decided it should be a lights out match because that sounds great. And then they probably thought, what's a lights out match though? And I had posited that it might be Rick Martel. Yes, I am a model. 
versus, um, again, Jake the Snake at WrestleMania 6 or 7, wasn't it? I think it was 7. You know, with the bags on their head, that thing. But um, it wasn't. It was really a sort of neon lights match. It didn't really show that well, to be honest. But they didn't half have a go. You know, there were, there were, there were we want tables chants quite early on. Yeah, and they, they got the table. They certainly did. There was some whipping with a belt and a nice Davenport suplex. Davenport set up the table outside and then she hit a sort of falcon arrow, I think, it looked like to me, through the table. It was okay, but it wasn't a patch on the first match of the first night, which was the Devil's Playground match between Roxanne Perez and Kiana James. Now... With um, Roxanne as Freddy, which was lovely, actually. One, two, Roxanne's coming for you. Yeah. Three, four, you've seen it before. And you have seen it before, but it's still a lot of fun. When you're going to have someone who is suplexed onto a child's plastic slide, that's going to stay with you, isn't it? Because it's not the thing you see every day in, in a wrestling match, is it? And also, um, someone using... The swing, or the frame of a swing, to drop kick, which I think it was Perez who did that. Very nice. A power bomb onto a trash can was also. I mean, it's old school, and I do like it. I have to say, and um, that was good stuff. And we had some bag work, didn't we? There was a there was a tablet in the bag, not a paracetamol or a paracetamol, an actual you know a computer tablet. I think yeah, it was all there, you know. Um, one thing we also got on both nights of Halloween Havoc was Lexus King. Not Lexus, Lexus King. Don't want a lawsuit. Lexus King. Who is nothing to do with Brian Pillman. Nothing to do with him. We might see his face all over the promos, but he's nothing to do with him. And actually, I really hope he gets an opportunity to prove his worth. Because I really liked him on the throne in the first night and I mean his, his chat is quite laid-back chat lots of confidence on the second night and he had a good match with uh, Dante Chen lovely swinging draping DDT from the second strand maybe he needs to clean it up a bit but it was blooming marvelous and also we had the Von Wagner storyline didn't we yeah because a couple of weeks ago he had he was I mean he'd been put through or rather smacked onto the um the ring steps, and the ring steps smacked on him as well by Bron Breaker. And um, not Bron Breakout, though. Not at the moment, I don't think. Anyway, we saw him two weeks ago with Mr. Stone talking while he was pulling his resistance bands to try and get his muscles back in order. The week after, he was having trouble walking. He was on a walker. As I said before, many times on Steve Swift's rambling reviews for the NXT on this marvellous Sunday night maybe event platform, he was, um, he was really stepping back, you know, I, I don't, it didn't seem like he couldn't walk properly the first time, and now he does, he said, I'm not anywhere near coming back, so what does he do, he comes back, I mean, Mr. Stone had been speared and smacked around a lot, and as he said, if I can get one punch in, one punch won't be enough, mate, and then Von Wagner is so far from coming back, he slams Brom Breaker onto the steps and then tries to smack the steps onto him. That's how far he is from coming back. Yeah. Other notable items 
from these two knights were Chase U winning the tag belt from La Famiglia. I can't see them having them for long because this is the soap opera, isn't it? First night, JC Jane passed a wrench, it looked like, to Andre Chase, who said, no, thank you, I don't want to use that. Got the roll up and the pin anyway. Second night, we've got JC and Thea Hale with Andre Chase and Duke Hudson in their corner. And JC Jane tries to use the, the belt. No, 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 says Andre Chase. And they fall to Piper Niven and Chelsea Green. So this is going to be a soap opera. I can't imagine they will hold those belts for any longer than a month or two. Once that soap opera's gone, gone! I'll say it again. Gone! Yeah. Um, we also had the women's breakout tournament. And on the second night, we had Kalani Jordan versus um, Lola Weiss. Now, Lola Weiss, of course, was going to win. Kalani Jordan, though, has got a nice underdog feature and got some very nice moves. I think it was a somersault leg drop, wasn't it? That was lovely stuff. But Weiss, in the end, won only with the help of Lopez, of course, by kicking her. Just kicking her. Yeah, and uh, she might break out. Look, I mean, Roxanne Perez did all right when she won it last year, so you never know, do you? Now, the um, the two main events, pretty damn marvellous, actually. First of all, Lyra versus Becky. They tried to tell us that all of... Uh, it's the biggest match in the history of Ireland. And by showing us some people in Ireland sitting in a room together and enjoying the match, they extrapolated that out to the whole of Ireland. Quite sure, really. It was great. People in the United Kingdom are on the edge of their seats, apparently. I wasn't. I sat on my sofa, but I was really enjoying it. And my bottom was very close to the back of the sofa. Not on the edge of the seat at all. That's uncomfortable. And you can roll one of your twig, roll one of your berries. You know, twig and berries. And that's not very nice. Anyway, great stuff from this. It was a knockdown drag out affair. Eventually, we got the disarmer in there. Lyra wouldn't tap. It was Lyra versus Becky Lynch, of course. Got another arm bar. Lyra didn't tap. Just great stuff. Manhandle slam. Lyra kicked out. Another manhandle slam. Lyra counted it, turned it round to a cover, got the pin, and they hugged after, and that was quite right. Now, you're wondering what the second night was, don't aren't you? The second night uh, main event. Well, it was, of course, Dragonoff versus Mellow. But the main thing for me was Mello's face when Trick Williams entered the building or entered the arena. Because, of course, he's been sent to the hospital and we don't know who it's by. I really liked the Mello um, over the top to the apron DDT. really spiked him. And the Death Valley driver from Dragonoff to the apron. Quite as good. Some really good work here. Torpedo Moscow. Oh, that lovely dive off the, off the barricade from Dragonoff to the announce table. Lovely. But that face that really distracted Mello as he saw Trick Williams come in and fell to the Torpedo Moscow for the pin, or Moscow for the pin, and afterwards Trick just helped him up. We went off air with Baron Borden messing around with Ilya Dragunov. Didn't need that, but generally, this was great. And like Nathan Fraser, who had a really good match uh, with Dom, but didn't win, unfortunately, for him. Um, and Wesley came back not really announced very much, but he came back. I'm going to be quick here because I haven't got much time left. And I have to say, Havoc Halloween was great all through. And NXT at the moment, really doing well. Pleasure to watch and a pleasure to talk to you lot as well. Ta-ta!
This November, get ready for a face-melting, riff-raging, ear-blasting, rock-and-roll extravaganza. Monster Trucks Dive Bar Tour 2023 Ontario Edition. November 24th, the Dominion House in Windsor, Windsor, Windsor. November 25th, the Harb in Owen Sound. We'd sell you the whole seat, but it's standing room only. Get your tickets today at fanatickets.com. Back on the law, live audio wrestling. I can't get enough of my Swifty. I, you know what? It's the way he breaks it down and that accent. This is just so soothing. It's so nice. It's downright sexy. It's it downright is sexy. He right? is just a a uh, wonderful chap. He's a gentleman's gentleman. Thank you, Steve Swift. We can't wait to have you back on the show again. I love it. I love the way he breaks down stuff. And this is one of the reasons that we want to do this like this. We want to make it so that other people, not just us, we're not greedy. I'm not greedy. Are you greedy? No, No. not at all. Other people deserve, deserve to be heard. And now, with that said, we're going to talk. Well, we're not even going to talk. We're going to hear from a man that I have a lot of history with. Like I said at the beginning of the show. Right. I mean, yeah, who, can you, if, if yeah. people are listening for the first time, so this show has been around on and off, but yep. it got relaunched again. But the, it was originally incarnated, yes, in 1996 with yourself and this fellow gentleman, Big Daddy Donnie. Big Daddy Donnie, who is like a he's a historian who went to radio school to learn how to talk about his greatest passion, and that's professional wrestling and and basketball. Let's not kid ourselves. But more importantly, he was he was uh, given the opportunity to start a show, virtually Canadian, asked myself to be the co-host of the show, and then we launched this show right here, The Law, Live Audio Wrestling, on Virtually Canadian, a internet radio show, right, to the masses, and it was a roaring success, so much so that we went along, did our own thing, left it in the capable hands of others, right? And uh, and now that was taken away from them. It was taken away from you. It was taken away from everybody until we, we basically, us, us goonies, us goonies went down into the cave and we found this treasure and we dug it back up and we brought it out for the world to see. We shined it up. We polished it off. And here we are again. And because of that, and because of this man right here, Big Daddy Donnie, you all owe him a a, a little bit of gratitude. I know I do. Definitely do. A lot of people do. I think he kind of laid out a platform for uh, people are making millions of dollars off of now. So thank you, Donnie. Absolutely. And so let's go to him right now so you can hear him break down WWE's crown jewel that took place. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Donnie DeSilva from the Godfathers of Podcasting, and this is your Crown Jewel Recap. The event was broadcast live from Rihad in Saudi Arabia. The show started off with Seth Rollins defending against Drew McIntyre, and I get it. They want to start hot with an absolute banger and bookend the show with a big championship match on either end. But the old-fashioned part of me would really have preferred to have seen this world title defended a little later in the card. The crowd, as usual, was red hot for Rollins on entrance, singing along and doing all that. But then the Drew McIntyre chance just drowned everything out. And I was wondering, are they loving Drew or just really hoping to see a title change between two baby faces that don't really act like baby faces? Both of these guys are just so good at what they do. There was the appearance of a struggle to grab simple holds. There didn't appear to be that level of choreographed cooperation that you usually get from less experienced talent. These guys made it look like a fight. Rollins really showed some old school babyface psychology, going for a pinfall at every available opportunity. Hey, it's the only thing a face is supposed to do, right? Win. He's not there to showboat or do more cool moves, just win. They also continued the story that was established during Seth's program with Nakamura. His back sucks. They played that up throughout the match, and I love this continuity. At one point outside the ring, McIntyre carried Seth up the steel steps and delivered a sidewalk slam on the apron. Just brutal. One issue I had with this match, it was super hard hitting and featured a ton of big bumps, but there wasn't a lot of consistent selling. There was a lot of those moments where the one guy who gets bumped is the next one to deliver a big spot. And I know that's wrestling in 2023 but I still don't love it. To their credit, the crowd was on fire for every single falsy. In the end, Drew missed a Claymore, which led to a Rollins pedigree quickly followed up by a stomp and a one, two, three. Your winner and still champion, Seth freaking Rollins. After that, Damian Priest walked out with the briefcase looking to cash in, but a man in a black hoodie jumped out of the crowd and jumped Priest, posted him, and revealed that it was in fact Sami Zayn. He stole the briefcase and took off through the crowd. The crowd ate this up. Next was the women's fatal five-way champion, Rhea Ripley defending against Zoe Stark, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, and Raquel Rodriguez. And I get that there are different laws in Saudi Arabia. And when they first ran these events, women weren't allowed to be part of the show at all. But it always feels odd when you see a women's match in Rahad and they have to get completely new gear that covers them up completely. But McIntyre is out there in a Speedo. I don't know, man. Something about this just feels oppressive to me. Um, Rhea walked out with a WrestleMania quality entrance, decked out in black pleather with some Brandon Lee type makeup. It was pretty cool. My guess... And I don't have this confirmed, but my guess is that Shane Helms produced this match. There were a few of his hallmarks throughout. And whether it was him or someone else, the agent here deserves a lot of credit for taking this potential schmaz and making it decent. Everyone had a chance to shine. I like Raquel, but she's not ready. I feel she's at the same developmental stage Rhea was at about three years ago. She's got all the tools, but she's still green. She needs more TV time and she needs to find a way to connect with the audience because it's just not happening. Now, on one hand, a multi-person match like this is the easiest way for a steamroller like Rhea to drop the title because she doesn't have to be involved in the finish. But in truth, none of the other women in this match are over. So therefore, a match like this serves the purpose of just elevating Rhea further. And that's exactly what happened. Mommy's always on top. Rhea retained. Next up, we have the match between the Enforcer, Solo Sokoa, 
And the guy WWE is now billing as the greatest of all time, John Cena. The story here is that it's been five years since Cena last won a singles match and he's contemplating retirement. This is a story like nobody could have predicted in 20, in 2007 when fans would complain constantly that Super Cena would never lose. Jim Cornette always says, how can we miss you if you won't go away? And the crowd has reacted to Cena on every appearance during this run like they absolutely adore him. The Cena sucks chants have just evaporated and it's turned into overwhelming positivity in every single city. Rahad is no different. He's mega over on this show. Interesting bit of storytelling here. While American style is generally to work the left side of the body, in this match, Cena was working Sokoa's right arm and specifically his right hand, trying to neutralize the Samoan spike finish. Now, the end of the match saw uh, Solo come in with not one, not two, but 12 consecutive Samoan spikes, the last few in rapid succession. And then he went for the cover and won. Now, let's be honest, the I haven't won a match in five years and the fact that he was being held in Cena-loving Saudi Arabia made most people think you could bet the house on John. Solo would have lost nothing by eating a pin here, but the win does elevate him. Unlike the Austin Theory WrestleMania win that was flat and uninspired, the end of this match booked Sokoa like an absolute monster. It's a beautiful thing to see John help elevate younger talent like so many did for him 20 years ago. The crowd gave Cena a standing ovation. He thanked them and quietly walked off. As far as where he goes from here, he may be off TV for a while, or this could open up a whole new fascinating bit of creative where he struggles with his in-ring mortality. The Miz did a crowd-pleasing Miz TV segment introducing a man who was introduced as one of the biggest celebrities in the Middle East, Ibrahim Al-Hajjaj. The crowd was on fire for this dude. Apparently, um, he's, uh, he's like a huge actor, comedian. He's massive. And, you know, hey, that's great. They're, they're, they're catering to the, local, to the local audience. Their interview segment was almost immediately interrupted by Grayson Waller, uh, who to me is the epitome of go-away heat, but that's okay. He brought out a bunch of WWE production people who replaced the Miz TV set with his own. This was actually pretty clever. In the end, Miz and Al-Hajjaj bumped Waller, killed some time. It was a goofy segment, but the crowd was happy, so... Off we go. The U.S. title match is next between champion Rey Mysterio and social media megastar Logan Paul. Logan had a massive entrance, driving a souped-up doom buggy through the desert, through the city, and right into the arena. This is only the eighth match of Logan Paul's career, and it's amazing how good he's gotten. And I'm not talking about his obvious athleticism and the high spots he pulls off. I'm talking about his ability to draw heat his ability to keep his character active throughout the match and his willingness to sell. Normally in Logan Paul matches, he flies around, shows off his aerial ability, and he did some of that early on in this one. But the story here was Paul's strength and size versus the greatest luchador of all time. Logan worked as a base for the first time ever for the smaller Ray, and he made it look like he's been doing it for years. Logan hit a gorgeous second rope follow a moonsault power slam that I'm sure every kid on the Indies is now going to try and do. In the end, Logan Paul used brass knucks that were introduced to the match by one of his goons, one of his boys, and he delivered a legit looking right hand while Ray was flying through the air. 
absolutely the right business decision to put the United States championship belt on the shoulder of the man with 96 million followers. Yeah, the haters will say, oh good, they gave it to a part-timer, how stupid. It is the right business decision. The next match is Bianca Belair looking to regain her WWE Women's Championship from EO Sky. Look, I like both these women, but I feel they were a victim of poor sequencing here. After the Ray Logan match, this just felt flat. No matter how hard these ladies tried to get the crowd into it, they weren't. Part of the problem is Bianca's a babyface who's lost a lot of steam, and EO is a heel who the fans kind of like because she does cool moves so with no real clear distinction on who they're supposed to care about they don't care at all uh these women were not set up to succeed in this spot in my opinion this would have been a better spot for the mcintyre rollins slugfest this would have been perfect right here the finishing sequence saw bel-air looking to destroy eo's mentor bailey who came out to ringside when all of a sudden Kyrie sane made her return to wwe she attacked bianca rolled her into the ring, allowing EO Sky to hit that beautiful moonsault and retain her title. Now, interesting story note, while Kyrie and EO were celebrating post-match, Bailey was on the outside looking confused and hurt. Michael Cole pointed out that the last time Kyrie Sane was in WWE, she was beaten and sent packing by Bailey. So this story is finally getting a little bit of heat. The next match feels to me like it should have been the opener for this show. Damian Priest versus Cody Rhodes. Look, there's nothing on the line. It's an ongoing grudge type thing, but it just feels like the result is going to be easy to predict. This should probably be a fast match. And, you know, it, it could have been a perfect babyface winning opener to start the show off hot. Priest walked out with the tag team titles, but without his money in the bank briefcase because Sammy stole it earlier in the show. The crowd was awake. Uh, they were red hot for Cody Rhodes. They absolutely loved him. And it was a back and forth fight that spilled in and out of the ring. Of course, the Judgment Day came out. They ran some interference before being run off by super over Jay Uso. The go-home spot came with Cody hitting the triple rolling crossroads to pick up a clean W. Again, this would have been a perfect opener. Finally, at the four-hour mark of this show, we're ready for the main event. And Rahad was super hot for LA Knight, looking to do the impossible and dethrone Roman Reigns. And I recognize the fact that fans have gone mental for LA Knight. I'm still not on the bandwagon, not for the reasons people usually bring up about him mimicking Attitude Era stars. Just to me, LA Knight always looks like he's playing the role of a badass. He's playing the role of a star. It doesn't feel organic to me yet. I feel like I always see him thinking about his next line and thinking about his next move. Not unlike Roman, when he was going during his babyface run and the fans absolutely hated him because he didn't feel authentic. I think there's a lot of parallels there and, and LA Knight is not yet in his final form. Old school WWE booking to start, the challenger shining early, making him look like a more credible threat than he actually is. LA Knight got a ton of offense in this match and the crowd ate up his falsies. They really wanted to see him go over, of course. Uh, Solo Sokoa made his way out to the ramp, distracting LA Knight. Jimmy Uso helped Roman Reigns recover from a beating. It looked like a Superman punch was going to end Knight's night, <laughs> but he rolled his shoulder on two. Knight later had his own big near fall, hitting his BFT finisher. Jimmy Uso grabbed Roman's leg, put it on the bottom rope, saving the title for his cousin. 
Knight then went after Uso, leading to Roman spearing him through a barricade. He quickly rolled Knight back into the ring, delivered another big spear, and one, two, three. Look, overall, I'll give this show a six and a half out of, out of 10. It had some really strong moments. One overall issue, five out of seven matches had some form of outside interference or involvement from someone who wasn't part of the match. Hell, even the Miss TV segment had a run in. The other issue with this show was just the runtime. Seven matches took four and a half hours. I know fans have been conditioned to believe that anything less than 25 minutes isn't a good match, but this show was just too damn long. On the positive, the WWE has seemingly decided to stop pandering to the babyface loving Saudi audience as almost every single match was won by the heel. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed this. My name is Donnie De Silva. I'll see you around. Special friends, you can catch Greg and Brad, your smack daddies, each weekend on the SNME radio network. We cover our lives, what's happening on the East Coast, and eventually cover SmackDown. Check us out each week at SundayNightsMainEvent.com. Please subscribe to get your smack daddies and the rest of the SNME radio network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week. We the ones! See what I tell you? What did I tell you? He's brilliant. It was so well don't, done. Don't tell him I said that, but yeah, that was. Yeah, we're gonna edit that part out. Yeah, actually, for that's obvious. No, wait, we can't edit. What are you talking about? Oh, Dave, what? we've already gone through all of our edits. We we have no more left this week. All right, we're gonna have all to right. leave that in there. Donnie owed me dinner. <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right, so we've talked a little bit of. WWE Halloween Havoc. Yep. We've talked Crown Jewel. Yes, sir. The only thing left for us to do now is let's talk. Let's talk about some UFC. Let's talk about some combat sports. Let's talk about some MMA and a fight that took place. Well, a fight card, I should say, that took place in Brazil this past weekend. UFC fight night, Almeida against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Yes. Now. A couple of, I mean, it wasn't, if you want my opinion on it, it wasn't that spectacular of a card, but we knew that going in because we're setting up for UFC 295. Can I, can I tell you some truths? I wish you would. I came into this show. Like a wrecking ball. Like a wrecking ball. <laughs> no, I, uh, I came into the show without watching that last night. Yeah, and listen. I have no I, idea. I'm like a listener that didn't watch it. Please tell me, Chris, please. I stayed up. I stayed up. I watched it. And we're going to run down just very quickly the the main card, so to speak, because, you know, there was only a couple of fights in there that really kind of stood out. One of them, of course, of course, Cal Barallo, okay, was fighting Abus Magomedov. My and goodness. Cal is a local guy. It, did you say Very. a bus Nurmagomedov? Abus. Abus. Abus Magomedov. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Um, and 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 Cal is such an enigmatic figure. Like he is uh, full of energy. He's like from the team nerd 
uh, fight camp, right? They all wear glasses and they all look like, you know, bookworms, but these guys are certified killers. Yep. They do a great job. It was a hell of an entertaining fight that went back and forth the entire time. Um, you know, there was a little bit, there's, here's the problem that I have sometimes in MMA fights, Brady, too much hugging. Sometimes, sometimes there could be too much respect, right? Oh, okay. I know what you're, I know. I was going to say too much hugging, too much clinching, but no, I no, get No, no, no. Actual hugs, bro. Well, it Actual becomes hugs. It becomes like hard sparring at some points when they're in And I'm hugging. not down with that. I, I want to see, either. like, go in there angry, go in there murderous, go in there with the worst intentions whatsoever, because that's what we pay to see. Well, and the, a perfect example is, and I know that Endeavor now is trying to capitalize on it as much as they possibly can because they brought Ken Shamrock back into the fold. But mm. these these sit downs and these dinners that they're doing with, and they just did the one with the UFC one, like Gerald uh, Gerard uh, is there, Ken Shamrock, Hoist Gracie, like it is fantastic. Those were killers. What I want a crazy, that, you know. I want that even nowadays. I want everyone to be, you know, Strickland. What a crazy idea this sit down with people and have just like a normal, like just a conversation, not an interview, Mm -hmm. you know, just to, just to have a conversation. What a fantastic idea. And I mean, clearly, clearly with, with the, the merger, you know, and they did, what was it? WWE does the uh, table for three. Yes. This is they do the same exact thing. So now UFC is taking that mold because they, they saw the success. I mean, how can you not see the success the WWE had with that model with doing those shows? That was one of the best things I think the WWE ever did on that network was the table for three segments. I don't what know do if mean? they still do them. What do you mean? You weren't a fan of Total Divas? You weren't a fan of the of the prank show where they would like electrocute people's stools? No? None of that stuff? My mic is still working. I'm just not <laughs> using it. Yeah, exactly. Shout right, out corny- to Mike, though, for writing some of that. Shout out to Mike. <laughs> the corny stuff. The corny stuff is a little just that a little corny but when you can when you can sit there and turn on a show and you've got legends sitting at a table not fighting not cutting promos not trying to set something up but just telling stories telling history about their time that's That's the stuff best that's That's the stuff i live for the best stuff that's the stuff that makes me continue watching like okay. Henderson on Rogan or something like that. Like, I just love hearing like boss, the old boss root and Rogan yeah. interviews. Those were great, but going back to it. So what, what was the other highlights of this fight night? I know there wasn't too well, many, but look, there, give us there a was. couple. So I'm going to get, it's basically your co-main event and your main event. Okay. Your co-main event, because you had Gabriel Bonfim putting up his 14 and O that's right. 14 and O I did read this. Yes. Record in his home town. Right. Definitely his home country yep. against Nicholas Dalby, who's coming in. Nicholas Dalby, you know, 22, four and one. Right. He's got two no contests. OK, but this guy comes in as a warrior and you could see how G- Gabriel kind of got a little ahead of himself. And Gabriel's one of these guys that when you have a guy who is 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 so proficient in his counter striking. It just it. It wasn't coming off well for him because Nicholas Dalby gave him no room to breathe. Later in that fight, he gave him absolutely zero room to breathe after that first round. Once he got him figured out, right, and took him into round two, and he just started laying it on him, getting him pressed up against the cage, and there was nothing that Gabriel Bonfim could do. Now, here's a guy 
here's a guy, here's a guy who here's had his, guy. 14, his 14 and 0 record basically made you think who are these 14 people? Because if you think that Nicholas Dalby is like top tier guy, hell of a talent, but he is not a top five guy. So who are we setting up these, these people with these, are we padding records now? Like boxing? This is my question. I think they've been doing it for a while. Look at the Habib's record. Absolutely. This is why I don't think Habib's in the greatest of all time category. He's nowhere near it. Well, and you have to have sustainability, in my opinion, to be able to be considered greatest of all time. Yeah, he had three title defenses. I think and John bounced. Jones had like like 12, 12 or 14, 13, something like that. And he bounced because daddy made him. Yeah. He was like, I'm not doing this because okay. my parents are more important. We're going to get we're going to get a lot of hate from this one. OK, hate me on it. <laughs> hate me so much that you come back and fight. And prove to everybody that you deserve to be in the conversation as the greatest of all time. These boys will travel mountains just to throw rocks at your house, dude. Absolutely. Bring it. I got cameras. It'll make for great buzz clips. We're going to World Star. Let's go. If you think if you think you had a problem with the Diaz boys, come roll. Come roll up on me and see what happens. You haven't seen a bear the size of Tid. All right. All right. So anyway, main event now. Main event. Main event was absolutely atrocious. <laughs> Jailton Almeida and Derek Lewis. Listen, Derek Lewis looked, I mean, Derek Lewis always looks like he would rather be someplace else when he starts a fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he but, likes but being he more is, at the he likes being at the press conference, I think, a little bit more than the actual fight. He's a heavyweight who knows how, like, he's got some of the greatest knockouts of all time in the UFC. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. He, you know, comes out and when he hits you, it's crazy. And he has these bursts, these crazy heavyweight bursts. But then when he's, when he's not bursting, you know what I mean? When he's not just exploding his power like that, he looks like, he looks like a guy who is just content laying there while you take advantage of him. He's Cabbage Carrera. That's literally what happened. Yeah, Cabbage Carrera. He's wow, Cabbage there's Carrera. A, there's a name throwback. But, th- but that's what Cabbage used to do. He was yeah. great in spurts, but then he would just let you beat on him. It's almost like it's almost like he's the Bob Sap without the tap. No, oh, that's <laughs> what a good little rhyme. Right. I don't like it. Because Jailton uh Jailton Almeida basically had his way so much so that he could stand in full mount over the top of him. And Derek Lewis would just block defend. Wasn't taking a lot of damage, but wasn't trying to get out of there. Okay. So Almeida basically sets a record for the longest control time, because that's what it looks like. It looks like control time. Seriously. He wasn't, he wasn't doing anything either. He wasn't trying to finish this fight at any given time. He, he, he clearly not enough. If you're ask me, and if I'm the person making these fights for the UFC, both of these guys, number one, getting a talk to after that, because that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Number two, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. You know, I don't know if you get rid of Almeida because he won in his home country. But listen, Derek Lewis may have been going into that fight. That's definitely four out of his last five that he's lost. And it almost to me, to me, because I don't want to catch any back flack. I don't need Derek Lewis knocking on my door, uh, along with 
Khabib and his crew. I mean, this is just crazy now at this point. You, get of, you know, and, and we all know that Derek Lewis, he likes to speed so he could get to me real fast in his Lambo. He looked like a guy who was thinking to himself the entire time. He was laying on his back in this fight. He looked like a guy who was saying, how much can I make doing bare knuckle fighting? Because that oh. looks to me like where he's going to go. See, I would think he would go to Bellator, but I think yeah, Bellator's I, done, bro. Yeah, and that's the thing. At nothing. Uh, every time I feel like someone's going to leave the UFC, it's either like one or PFL or it's Bellator, and there's no Bellator. So uh, you put him into PFL. I can't see it for what? For what? To fight Francis Ngannou? Not again, please no. We've already seen that, no, and how did fight. that turn out? It was it was worse than this I, fight. I'd rather watch Kimbo versus Houston Alexander three times over. I never watch that fight again. I'd rather watch Anderson Silva and Talis Latis all, all right, no. day on loop. No, at least I can. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Even the Damian Maya Anderson fight, I'd probably rather watch. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather watch Anderson Silva fight any of his friends <laughs> over this, because this is about how it's going to go. <laughs> I think uh, I think Derek Lewis, because he's not going to go into boxing. Because what what's he going to do? In in boxing, he's gonna be like the Homer Simpson character, where he just yeah. gets hit, 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 and then just unloads a bomb on somebody. Well, let's move away from a very uh, simplistic and very lackluster night to what seems to be building up to be one of the most exciting nights of the year for a fight card with the UFC 295. Let me just run down some names for you for this one. Let's go. Diego Lopez. Ooh. Pat Pat Sabatini. Ooh. Matt Frivola. Oh, my. Jessica Andrade. Say what? Mackenzie Dern. God damn. Sergey Pavlovich. Mm. Tom Aspinall. Oh. And if that wasn't enough, the cream of the crop, the icing on the cake, the candles at the birthday party, Yuri Prochachka. Oh, my. Alex Perea. Someone call the police. This is going to get nuts. Yeah. They're not. Here's the thing: is they're not going to start those that co-main event. There's going to be a big lag between uh, the the Coco Coco main, the Coco you know main, I mean? yeah, the, yeah. the women's strawweight popcorn match leading up, but then that co-main and that main event. Those fights are not going to last long. I'm telling you right now. Mark my words. And you're talking to a guy, okay? If you remember correctly, and you can go back and listen to the last episode when we did a UFC fight, that UFC that happened uh, over in Abu Dhabi not that long ago. And mm -hmm. I went, I went 13 and 0, ladies and gentlemen. This man win 13 and 0. So when I tell you these last two fights on this UFC 295 card are not going to go the distance and they are not going to even get out of the first round. If you think for a second, Sergey, Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall is going into the second round. Yeah, I can't see that happening. Get Bet. I could maybe see the co-main going into the second if both are hesitant for whatever reason, but I don't think, and I think that only happens because Poten's been knocked, and then you have Yuri coming back from a shoulder, but a shoulder injury. But I don't think that's. I think you're right. I think these are both first round finishes. Listen, I don't even think that the women's strawweight fight between Jessica Andrade and Mackenzie Dern is going to go the distance. Well, Dern's a, Dern's. You know, she is. She gets into it every time. Now. Yeah, she and gets Jessica's, into it. Jessica's strong as a freight train. 
Like it is unbelievable when the this fight, you look at even just and then before that, Matt Frivola, Benoit Saint Denis, that fight's not going the distance either. This is going to be a what five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty minute main of main card. Okay, you need to breathe. We need to we need to take it's a break. Crazy. But before we do that, before we do that, let's preview what's about to come up after the break. We have a great, great edition of Tid's Kick in the Head this week. You sit down with the chairman, the perfect 10, Sean Spears. Listen, this is is a conversation that I've been looking forward to for a long time, and I'm so glad that we got to do it. And I'm even more glad and grateful that I get to share that with you guys right here on the Law Live Audio Wrestling. So let's take a quick break. Okay. And give me a second to uh, whoo, lower my blood pressure. This UFC night 295 has got me fired up. And when we come back, you're going to get to hear me yammer on with my good friend, AEW superstar, Sean Spears. This is the Law Live Audio Wrestling. We'll be right back. TotalSportCards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. Joining me now, right here, on The Law, live audio wrestling. It's it's still kind of weird to say, but I mean, listen, when I set out to do this kind of stuff, I said that I want to have conversations with people that I know, people that I like, people that I can have just a normal conversation with. And right out the gate, as you've seen, we've done some of them already, but this is a guy... This is a guy that I have so much respect for because I watched him grow from from a tiny little green kid and 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 run past everybody. Like and I mean absolutely everybody. Um, I'm talking about a guy who's had runs in multiple companies but has always been humble to know where his roots started. And I'm talking about a guy that, I mean, a lot of people may or may not know it. I don't care if you believe it or not, but I probably have more respect for this guy than anybody else that I've watched grow and get out onto the road. And ladies and gentlemen, joining me right now, my friend, your friend, Mr. Sean Spears. How you doing, brother? What's going on, man? That was a uh, very wonderful and touching uh, introduction and uh, before we get on our conversation just know that the, the feeling is very mutual uh, and has been for as long as I've been going since I've known you which is probably somewhere in the vicinity of 20 years now um, but you've been a mainstay and you were a huge part of my uh, jump start early on so thank you for the kind words and I look forward to shooting the shit with another good brother here <laughs> you know we've had we, we always seem to tend to have good conversations at the weirdest times, like right before the music hits, you know what I mean? You're standing there. You're like, Oh, by the way, this is my last run. 
I'll, uh, I'll talk to you about it soon. Enjoy your match. <laughs> See you out there, <laughs> you know? So, so I'm glad that we get a chance to do this right out the gate. One thing that I do want to know though, and I've always wondered this, and I don't know if anybody has, and I'm sure somebody has asked you it. Um, why Spears? Why Sean Spears? I do get asked that, but I don't, I haven't been asked it publicly. Uh, my students, a lot of my students ask me when we say, you got to start thinking about a name and entrance mm-hmm. and gear and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be a finished product, but it has to start somewhere. And that was something that Eric Young, Showtime, always taught me. He said, you need a name. And I was like, I don't know how to, you know. And I, so he suggested I go through a baby book. And that's exactly what I did. I wrote down names that I liked as last names and names that I liked as first names and kind of crisscrossed them. And um, the most important thing was he said, try and find something that can be used as both a good guy and a bad guy. It can be kind of, we can dress it up later with monikers and things like that. Um, Sean Spears just kind of fit together. And I think I was getting ready to do my first show. So I needed something. I will tell you the first name yeah, 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 because this I, is what I want to know. What ones made the list and like you were like, you're throwing darts at them. <laughs> the, the, so I don't remember a lot of lists, but I remember this one because it was, the, I thought it was good at the time. Oh, I thought it was, this is it, this is it. <laughs> it's rotten, but it, this is what I had. So I had written down, sure shot, Chris Caliber. That was the first name that I oh, had written fuck. down that I was oh. planning to go with. And I'm, I want to say with certain, 100% probably EY was like, let's keep looking. Let's, <laughs> let's keep trying things out. That's probably where the baby book came into play. So, Wow. Yeah. So you were ready to burn your boots before you even put them on, basically, right? <laughs> oh, dude, I thought, oh, I got a sure shot, caliber. They'll get it. They'll piece it together and bang. And I can do whatever, you know. I thought I had, I knew it. I knew it, but oof, a dodge. Hey, no pun intended to dodge the bullet or two there. Right. No kidding, man. Could you imagine? <laughs> like, it's, it's always funny because I had the same, same thing. Like notorious TID was something that was given to me when we first started this show. And I think we were doing a, we were doing a goof on, on Biggie Smalls at the time. Right. And then the name Donnie, the, co-host of live audio wrestling the first time around gave me the name and it just kind of stuck and through wrestling because for one match one match and one match only i was introduced are you ready for this one word one word name pipe 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 I've never told anybody this one. Yeah. The stupidest idea in the world, but, but same thing. Everybody will get it. Everybody understand it. Like, Oh, is it a smoking pipe? Is he going to hit you with a pipe? Is he going to run the pipe? Like, you know, the whole thing, the crowd, they'll get it right out the gate. No problem. Right. And we're behind it. We're with it. We get it. We'll get it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny how we don't, we don't have a fucking clue. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? When we start and you're in a position now, you're in a position now where you're having to teach that next generation. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, and a lot of stuff I, I, you know, as well as I do, a lot of stuff has changed so much, not just in the business uh, on the teaching end of stuff, because society has changed so much. You know what I mean? You can't treat, 
you can't treat the humans that come through your door now the way that I was treated when I first started or the way that you were treated when you right. first started. Right? right. How, how tough has that been for you? That part has, we actually explained that to them. Like, so, Hey, when I was coming up, you know, I got roughed up a little bit and then generations before me, they were challenged to see how long they wanted to stick around. So they were beat up kind of for real. Um, we don't believe in doing that. We don't believe in trying to run people out of the business because nowadays the business, like you said, it's changed so much and it's advanced so much that, you know, when we talk about guys like, like mega stars, like bad bunny, bad bunny is doing professional wrestling guys like Logan Paul. These are guys that don't need the money. Like they don't, they're doing okay in life. You know what I mean? But all these celebrities that are giving it a shot and knocking it out of the damn park by the fucking way. Um, it, it's just a different day and age. So, I don't believe in running people out of this business because you never know who can turn around and be a very valuable asset for this industry. And if they become a valuable asset, that only looks good on me or my buddy Breeze. Like that's, that, that's the way I look at it. Anybody can be anything in professional wrestling. If you love this enough, there's a place for you. If you love this, there's a place for you in wrestling. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like where you started, WrestlePlex, probably, you know, it uh, it wasn't, I had a conversation, I had a conversation with our good friend, crazy Steve, right. Oh, not too yeah. long ago. And, and we were talking about Jeremy, we were talking about WrestlePlex and, and we were talking about like the people that came out of there. It wasn't a long running school for years and years and years or anything like that. You know what I mean? Uh, Jer had a uh, hair up his ass and decided I'm going to start a school and I'm going to, uh, cause you know, the, we all know what happened with, Ike Shaw and, 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 and the fallings out with everybody there. Right. And not only did Jerry say, I'm going to open up a school, I'm going to open it up right down the street. And, but this group of people that came out of there, I would say, I would say for like per capita, probably produced more guys that have actually gotten noticed. Right. Uh, in, in, in the business than many other schools around. I mean, probably close second but on sheer numbers alone ron hutchison maybe yeah, so, yeah. right sully's even, you know what i mean because even, even tenure right so you know you look at steve uh crazy steve you look at guys like jake o'reilly who's coming out mm -hmm. i've come out of that like we've all put in i think they were only six months behind me right so they're up on the 20 year mark so yeah. there's three guys that have put in combined 60 years total yeah like that's that's rare very yeah. rare. And, right. you know, even if you remember, remember hippie, hippie was doing Absolutely. it for like 10, 12 years too. So yeah, it, it's up there in terms of how long guys have been around, stayed with it, have, you know, tenure, it, it, it matters. So, but that all goes back to the kind of training that you receive. Uh, one of the biggest keys in this business is longevity. And if you don't have the proper start, it's going to be very hard to, uh, to last. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was one of those guys that like, you know, first day Johnny canine was, let's see how tough you are. <laughs> Tank. You have a Johnny one. Canine story? Yeah. 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 Kane, 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 first, first day, just punched me in the jaw. And, and Ooh. as a, as a, as a, as a man, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, well, now I have to fight this guy. Right. But in my head, I'm like, well, that's not how, this business works and I'm smart enough to know that going into it. And it's just, right. it's, it's, it's one of the most confusing things in the world. And as I, you know, I'm like, I can't do this to, 
to kids that I'm trying to teach, you know, or, or like when Jer, when, you know, Showtime Eric Young, for those of you that aren't aware we're talking about um, when Jer was putting you guys out there to get ready and stuff like that. I was often, I was often the guy that it was like, let's see how quote, quote, tough they are. Let's see if they're ready to yeah, handle yeah, yeah. that end of it. You know what I mean? Yourself very much. We've, we've had a number of matches. I got a great story that maybe you do or do not remember that I'm going to tell in a second. Um, Jake O'Reilly, same thing. Crazy Steve. Hell, I did a, you know, a year program with Steve where we were doing things like pile driving him out in the parking lot. And he's got a scar above his eye from me and stuff. You know what I mean? So like, but like the business has changed. And I realized that like with my kids, I can't, I can't do that to these guys. First of all, they're going to crush because humans just aren't made the same size that they were. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but psychologically, I think psychologically it just destroys people so much. Right. Well, I think when I started, I was 21, which is still extremely young, but I'm getting kids that are 18, like very impressionable kids. Yeah. And like you said, times have changed. Things are different. People are more sensitive. Um, and I think at least what I've ran into is a lot of times students or young people believe that what they see on TV is, well, I just have to go to school and then that happens. They don't understand. You can watch all the documentaries and you can hear all the stories of how it was back in the day or stories of the indies. And right now the indies, as you know, are it's great. It's okay. You can make a living on the independence. You can have a pretty good run on the independence. Not like it was when, I was starting out on the independence. It's, it's a lot different now, but the mentality remains the same. You got to hit the pavement. You got to be your own best promoter. You got to make the connections. You got to reach out. No one comes knocking like that kind of stuff. Young talent, rightfully so they don't understand yet until people like you and I stay, sit there and go, the coach in me is going to tell you this. The wrestler in me is not. Right. You gotta find out for yourself. 100%. The and it's, a, it's a tough line because you know, I, for myself, and I'm sure that you know, too, is as you're talking to them as a coach, you want so badly to like, this is going to happen to you. This is going to happen to you. Like as a wrestler, you know what I mean? You want to smarten them up as much as you can, but you're like, uh, I'll see you when you get back and you tell me all about how horrible it was. Oh, yeah. I've had the <laughs> conversations plenty of time. I go, just so you guys know, the coach in me is telling you this. The wrestler in me doesn't give a shit about it. Have you had, have you had any instances where like you've got some of your kids, they go out there and they're like, Hey, I'm working on such and such a show. And in your mind, you're sitting there going, Oh, Oh, that promoter is God awful. <laughs> do you tell them, do you tell them or do you let them find out? Oh, I don't. So, so I don't, I'm not, I don't have my thumb on the pulse of a lot of the Indies, especially locally in Florida, where there's a lot of places to work. Um, but I believe when you're starting out, any experience is good experience, whether it's bad or not. So I don't smarten anybody up. You're going to have to deal with shady promoters. You're going to have to deal with promises and broken promises. It's just, it's part of how you navigate and how you, respond to this negativity that's going to determine how you move forward if you move forward at all so uh no i don't smarten them up if they come to me with a problem like like i had a kid of mine reach out she's in nxt now but she got a big well i was going to give her away but she had big wealth on her and she's like oh dude, should i get it drained i don't know they're asking me they're leading it up to me and i was like well it's up to you like 
you're in the right hands. The, the, they have the professional doctors. It's up to you if you want to get it drained or not, or, you know, you can probably leave it and you'll be okay. Tomorrow's a new day. If you need it done, then you can do it then. Oh, okay. So I get like reached out about things like that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but not so much about promoters, but it's important to learn that this isn't all, um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And the farther you get, the higher you get in terms of company wise, or the more money's involved, the more this becomes a business and business can be in entertainment. It can be a little cutthroat. So you have to harden your shell a little bit. Do you, uh, do you remember the first thing that you bought with your first big check? Uh, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like, you know, your, your $500 extra, you know what I mean? For the no, weekend no, no, check I'm or whatever. You. I mean, like your first, your first check, did you have something set aside in your head when you knew like, okay, I've, I've, I've been signed with my first check. This is, this is the purchase that I want to make sure that I buy for myself. Was it, it was like a barbecue or a fucking, you know, big TV <laughs> or something like, you know what I mean? Like there had to be something. Don't right. tell me it was a collectible. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's going to be cheesy, but it's not a collectible. So I always, uh, even when I got back to NXT the second time, you know, I think in like 2013, maybe 14 or something like that. Um, again, based on my previous experience, I didn't know if it would last. So I was very reserved. I was kind of, I held onto the money. I planned just in case. Once I got finally bumped to SmackDown and I signed the main roster, that's when I went, okay, I, I at least know I got this amount of money. And the first thing I bought was uh, an engagement ring for my wife. So that was the first thing that I could buy and afford and pay off within, I think, a couple of weeks. I was good. I was, that was the first big thing I bought. The next big purchase was my car. And that, and that's, that was for me. And that's pretty much the only thing that I bought for me since then. I mean, so that, is, that is, that is the, let's be honest. That's the proper way to lock stuff down. That is like the, you, you lock down the one first, here's yours. Now that's see spirit. Yeah. That's a smart move. That's points. That's, that's so banking goes, points, hey. right? <laughs> so, yeah. So she goes, Hey, maybe it's time to go to the car. I was like, ah, maybe it's time to get rid of the ring. Yeah. And then, no, then that conversation dies and we move on. Then we're that's good. Right. So, yeah. Cover your ass, fellas. Cover your ass. Every house is an office and every day is a work. <laughs> it's, all just, sure, it's all just how you work it, I guess, right? But that's the way I look that's at it. Right. I, listen, I, I'm married. I'm the same way. I'm very I'm I'm very in tune with the like you bank points. You bank points up, you know, with these kinds of things because you and I both know at some point as guys, we're gonna we're gonna do something that is unfavorable. And we're going to need to drop that gentle reminder about all of those good things that we did leading up to this point. <laughs> yep. I try and cover as many bases as I can so that, uh, you know, she has the upper hand when the time comes and then and we're okay. It's just a reminder. Yeah, we're good. We, you know, won't happen again. Little payments. And stuff, but yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing I bought and uh, best investment I ever made. Yeah. Good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. And always congratulations now, on that. I got a kid. So now he gets all my money. Yes, it's oh, it's gone. You're 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 done from there. Right? The days of buying myself shit is long gone. Yeah. That's it, buddy. Well, yeah, I mean this, and as as that did have did that have any bearing? Did that have any bearing on like when you decide to hang it up? Uh, my son. Yeah, <clears throat> like having 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 the kid because you know what I mean. You you kind of you look at the world like I I don't have I don't have kids, but I look at the world as there's a plan. And you, you know, you're setting stuff aside and setting stuff aside. 
were you planning on having a kid? Yeah. So I, I but I'd always wanted kids. I love kids. Um, but obviously as time, time slipped by very fast and all of a sudden you're 40 and you're like, okay, maybe this is, maybe it might not happen, but I'm ready if it does. I've been smart with finances. I have it invested. I'm okay. Which got me to the point where I was like, okay, maybe I can just pull it back a little bit, have some fun. We did a couple, you know, indies up in Timmins and, you know, you, you get to enjoy remember what this all is. Remember why you started. So maybe I can just rest on that. Now having my son, it's like, okay, I want to double down and make sure that I'm not just good for me, but I'm good for him and his future family. And then there's the part of me that goes, well, I would love for him to see and understand me wrestling, which maybe he starts to understand, or maybe he'll have a memory of it when he's four or five. And I go, oh, four or five years. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if I want to be around doing all this because <laughs> you're the same. You're the same as I was, right? We never want to. I don't want to be one of those guys that sticks around longer than he should. I don't. If someone says, "Oh, he doesn't move like he used to," or "Ah, oh, he doesn't look like he used to," or "Wow, oh, he's getting old," like, of course, time catches up with all of us. But you want to be remembered in as best of light as possible. So I, I never wanted to overstay my welcome. Um, but on the same, on the same kind of topic of that, like, I, I'm also not that beat up. I can, I, you know, I never had the responsibility of going 30 minutes, 300 times a year in the main event every night. I never, and you don't, and you don't bump and you don't bump either. So work smarter, not harder, babe. I don't hit ropes. I don't bump. Don't, I just, all this, yeah. we're good. Yeah. That's it. So, um, <laughs> So on the you know I'm I'm wrestling with that right now in terms of how long I kind of want to go, but I'm more closer to the end, much more closer to the end. Than sure. The beginning. Absolutely. So I mean, no, he'll he'll get to see it on tape. It's all out there on YouTube now, right? You know, yeah, he'll he'll be able to see yeah. something. Maybe ask a question. He might not even give a shit. He, he might just say. This oh, is the other, this is the thing I was just going to ask. What happens? What happens if like is in your head? You're like, I got this little boy. He's going to be exposed to my wrestling. It's like. Ah, you're feeling all the feels and everything. And what if he comes to you and he's like, you know, dad, we've been, we've been watching this stuff together, but I got to tell you, this wrestling stuff is gay. <laughs> very possible. It's very funny. He's like, hold on. You used to wear what? What? Like, uh, yeah. And you know, he might, you know, he might not even give a shit. He might come and go, how come uncle Cody was always better than you? Why you're not as good as him? Like, I don't know. He might just, it might be a bunch of, he might just, you know. See, yeah, I would, res I would respect him for that one, though. Uh, you know what I mean? If he was all Fair of a sudden, point. like, yeah, if well, not even just that. If he was, you know, smart enough and willing and understood the Iggy's <laughs> in the business to like give you the yeah. gears like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How come you didn't? How come he's way up? What yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. How come you don't have oh. a cool neck tattoo, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> So, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to be hard to avoid it because both his mother and father, obviously wrestlers, you can see the, you know, the background. He's, he's going to be aware of it, but whether or not it's an interest, who knows? He might not give a rat's ass. And either way, that's okay with me. I, I, I think we both know that. I mean, he's grown up in a wrestler's household and you're both, you're both very, very studious to the business and to the game, probably like even do you find that you're having to watch more stuff because of the coaching now? No. Less? No, I, I, I don't. Yes, I watch less. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did the and, same and, thing. And that's, and that's not to take a, that's not a shot at anything. I don't, that's right. not a shot at anyone, no company. Yeah. You know, that's just um, the way I was taught and the way I was kind of brought up. And what I learned from being in the system for so long are the very basic fundamentals of what I feel is required for a young person, a young man or woman to go out into the world uh, safely and professionally. I don't want that altered based on what they see and like, okay, well, I want to do these moves and this one. Okay. But if you don't know how to control your own body, you might break your neck. That's the reality of what, of what we do. So we have, I kind of have to bring it back to not old school, but basic ground level fundamentals and from there we can build so i don't um we encourage them to watch everything and if there's something you would like to learn by the time we start doing matches bring it to us we will teach you how to do it and if we can't we'll find somebody that can and then we'll explain to you why you should do this or you know placement stuff like that but um we we've been we've done very well so far in terms of um producing good talent that we've had a few of our talents already get contracts in different yep. companies so we know we're on the right track, but our main thing is to safely prepare young men and women to go out and begin their career in professional wrestling. We don't emphasize the moves. We emphasize how you carry yourself as an individual and we hammer into them as much as we can fundamentals, proper yeah. technique. Um, so having said that, I go back to the more old way of thinking of slowing down, making sure, focus, proceed all the things that you didn't pay attention to you when you were breaking into the business. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, no one, we didn't have anybody to really, until you've been through Fuck experiences. You. Fuck you. I told you guys, every single one of you guys, now it wasn't just me trying to be like, you know, I got to save my wind. I told every one of you guys before and after matches, slow down, man. Slow you scared the shit out of me. You scared the shit out of all of us. We were probably we probably couldn't hear what you were saying because we we're just shaking in our fucking boots. That's probably why. <laughs> I know I was. I can't speak for Bill or it's crazy Steve. No. I was like, oh shit. Listen, every single one of you guys, every single one of you guys, uh there's there's been very few people, very few people that um I openly criticize inside of the business because that's not my place to do so. But there is also even less people that I will put over in the business. And, and you know this. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? But but this, the group of guys that I put over that I talk about, guys like yourself, guys like Jared, guys like Jake O'Reilly, guys like Steve, guys like Cody Diener, that's a lot of names to just come out of one very small area of the world when you think about professional wrestling you know what i mean so like the amount of talent that has come out of there is like it's been crazy and you toughened up to the point to where it's no secret it's no secret that everybody that talks about being in a match with sean spears at some point you're gonna get chopped <laughs> i like the throne yeah I, you know Oh, yeah, trust me. This is what I was going to say, because I know you don't like to take them. I do take chops. I, I, I know you do. Them. You've taken you've taken mine. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I respect like, you. <laughs> it's, if I don't respect you, yeah, I'll, you hit me with one and I'll drop and sell and I'll roll out. Then, you know, you don't get to give me another one. But if I like you, fire away. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. I remember because you and I have worked a, a bunch of matches. There's no doubt. And I don't know if you remember this one or not. We were, we were working a match. 
I think it was in Kitchener, in Kitchener, Ontario, working for Jeff Marsh, probably. When you duped me into coming over and doing business with him, and then you skated out the back door basically, and like left me with the bag hanging on this promoter that like didn't like have a show a, or two later, yeah, didn't have a fucking clue about what he was doing. <laughs> What's that? I, someone had to do it. I tried. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. none of us could smarten him up. But we we're working this match, and. My wife was there at the time and my niece and the family comes out like they do at some of these shows. And at one point I'm, I got gum in my mouth and we're working the match and do the switcheroo into the corner and I eat the corner. And then you jump up, hit me with the drop kick in the corner. And and me, of course, you know, very much like it's, it's my boy. Let's go bang right get right out there gum goes flying out little split on the lip from the teeth or whatever i'm down in the corner selling it or whatever and my wife the entire time is getting hotter and hotter at you she's like she he better not have kicked his tooth out he kicked his tooth out his tooth just went flying out into the middle of the ring blah blah sent sent our niece down sent her niece downstairs afterwards to the dressing room to storm in to make sure and i'm like yeah no it was gum it was gum. So for a brief period of time, you didn't even know it, but you were a heel without being a fucking heel. <laughs> oh, your wife hated the, hated my guts. And, you know, and I'm glad you waited till all that time and intermission or whatever it was to smarten her up. But I do remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> That's a testament to your selling, my man. Well, no, it was just, it, it, was, it was a testament to your working. Who are we kidding here? All right. Enough of the blowjobs. Anyways. I noticed, I did notice that um, you've got back to traveling. You just came back from the other side of the world not too long ago, right? Um, and and is this, was this, have you worked in Australia before? Like, I know you've been there. Obviously, your wife's, you know, family is just from there and stuff. But have you worked there? Yeah, I've worked there with uh, NXT. Okay, okay, okay. But I mean, this outside of outside of working for one of the TV companies or whatever, you, this is for a local company that you were down there, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. They run primarily in uh, World Series Wrestling there. Was this also the first time working on a card with your wife? No, we had worked, uh, I mean, outside of a, yeah, actually it was, outside of a big company. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So we had, we had done a few uh, matches and stuff just on the same card and live events and things like that back in NXT days. Uh, but she, this was her first uh, stretch back in a few years, a few years since she left impact and had a baby and stuff like that. Yeah. This was her first, uh, her first go around. She didn't miss a beat either. That was crazy. I was in there watching her. I kind of, I'm getting sore watching her move and I'm like, you feel okay. She's like, oh, I'll be so angry tomorrow. I'll be so <laughs> mad. My neck is going to be so sore. So, but she didn't miss a beat, but yeah, it was a, uh, very well run. I think I said this on um, Instagram. I'm the same as you. I don't throw around praise lightly. If I do, it's for a purpose. And if I put someone over, it's for a reason. Um, and I don't vouch for people that I don't know or that I don't feel has earned it. Um, but that is a World Series Wrestling is a very, very well run um, promotion there. Um, from everything from organization, promoter-wise, ideas, hell of a roster. Jared was there. I wrestled Jared again for the first time in years. How was that? So, How was that? Oh, dude, riding a bike. It's yeah. sitting there just, you're moving the same and the timing is there. And it's just like, things like that are cool for me at this stage of my career. Like, 
he's done so much in his career and I don't know how it feels. I don't know how it feels for him. Like we trained Colton Gunn. Uh, we adopted Austin Gunn, the gun club. Uh, we, you know, Kiana James, uh, Harley Cameron. Like we've, we've trained kids that have gotten contracts and are doing very well, but you know, I wonder if I'll, you know, you know, at Colton's 10 year mark, will I wrestle him? Probably not. Like I'll, I'll just be long gone by then. But I wonder what it feels like for, for Jared to go, I've seen this kid from day one, it's 20 years later, we're wrestling now. Like, that's kind of cool to me. I thought the same thing about the guns. Like you get to wrestle, you guys get to wrestle with Billy Gunn, your dad. Yeah. Like that is the cool, when you guys are, Billy's never going to die, by the way. He's a cyborg. I'm convinced that he's already died three times, and we're just seeing clone after clone (laughs) of, like, prime Billy Gunn being reincarnated again. He's going to live forever. He's going to live forever, hopefully. But, like, how cool is that in, let's say, 15 years from now? Like, that's going to be something they're all going to sit around with and went, that was pretty damn cool. We got to do that. Like, yeah. Things like that are really cool. So I mean, it's going to go I, on a, a rant or nothing like that. But I think that I awesome. think one of those things is because because Jer Jer was not like long into the business before he started training other guys. You know what I mean? He wasn't like fifteen to twenty years into the business. No, I think he was, he was a four or five year man. That was exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because there wasn't that many years between he and I breaking it. Right. So he wasn't. He wasn't that. He was still quote, quote, green to the business. And you guys kind of, you know, inside of 10 years grew up in the business together as a group, it seemed like. You know what I mean? So I think that's a really cool thing. That's why Jer's been able to still hang with you guys as you guys have all still been that group, right? Yeah. That's I that's can't, per- I can't stress it. I just I can't stress enough the the being in good hands. I think I uh that show we did in Timmins, you know, I think what I said to you guys afterwards, I meant every word. I don't know how much we want to get into it here, but even like to any young aspiring wrestlers that listen to the show or that are trying to find, like, I cannot stress enough. Just you have to start in the right place. You have to start in the right place. You have to start around the right people. It's hard to find the right people nowadays, I think. But Jerry used to take me to all the shows. He would introduce me to you guys when I was sitting there going, I don't know how to talk to anybody. He'd go, hey, this is my student. This is, you know, and I'm pretty sure he told a couple of you guys, hey, he's all right, look up for him. Like, you know, he always. 100%. He just did, he just did everything right. Yep, 100%. So I, I take that and I use that and I apply that to this day, something that should never go away in this industry, in my opinion. Have you have you ever gotten over, because I'm sure that this happens because it's happened at, at- crossbody i'm sure that it happens at flatbacks i'm sure that it has happened at a ton of different schools but have you ever had the discipline how how deep i want to word this right how deep is the disappointment in yourself when you have somebody come in who has eyes as wide as a doe they know what their character is they know the moves that they're going to do but you already know that they're maybe got a touch of the tism. Maybe they're not all together collectively. Right. And you have to then break it down to the person that maybe we find something else for you to do inside of the business instead of being the performer. Have you had to it's deal with that? So, yeah. We've, and we've, we've encountered that on a few occasions. It's not so much a disappointment. Um, 
because again, I'm a big believer that if you, if you love this industry and you approach it with a logical mindset, as much as wrestling is not logical, um, there is a place for you in it, whether that be on the lighting team, behind right. the camera, editing, like ring announcing. There's a million jobs at yeah. that level. Um, I love when someone comes in saying, we've had people come in saying, well, I've been watching YouTube for three years. I know how to do these moves. And we've, the you know, I, I, yeah, I, you know, I, this is my character name and this is, I, I love that because then at least I have something to work with. But then when I also throw challenges at you and you go, yeah, we have to teach you that part. That's why, because it yeah. all boils down to this. Why? Why is why is his character? What's he about? Why does he talk to us? All that stuff. But then you also have like, because I've had this one too, where you try to explain that to them and they don't want to get it and they get dense and then they just stop. They they stop coming to train. They stop training or whatever, and then you know a year later you see them on an independent show someplace because they went to train at a you know, a lesser school and, and sold a bunch of tickets and got themselves onto a show. Like, is this a problem? Is this a problem down there as much as it is? Cause you know, you're from Canada. You've seen, you've been around enough. Is it a problem where there are to this point, almost too many, like it, cooks in the kitchen. When I say cooks in the kitchen, I mean promotions and you know, where everybody, anybody thinks I don't have to own a ring. I don't have to, like, I can, I can rent a ring and I can pay everybody 20 bucks. Cause I was on Reddit and this is what I saw that, you know, people are getting paid or whatever. And Hey, you're, you, I've made friends with the local shitty wrestler. Who's going to sell tickets for me and design my belts or whatever the case, you know what I mean? Whatever the case may be like, there's that end of the, is it just as bad down there? I think it exists. I think it exists everywhere. And I think it will exist going forward in until it just becomes a, a, a thing of the deep past. Right. Because a lot of young kids that are starting out, they just don't know any better. So it's very easy to be taken advantage of when you're that but back. In, but back in the day, it didn't happen because, you know, the, the business policed itself a lot more, I believe back in the day than it does now like those kinds of things would happen you know would pop up or whatever but you would have a couple of guys that would put their foot down and be like nope that's that's not the way business is done that's not what we do you know what i mean as as the workers or whatever i don't think that i don't think that there's enough guys like that left in the business no and i and i would agree um, back in that time, you know, like for example, you know, everybody got paid at the end of the show, got your little envelope, you went your separate ways. Nowadays, this is just another small, but very important thing. Things are done electronically. So I get my deposit ahead of time. I get the rest when I show up and everything is done electronically. I don't get anything in, in hand anymore. So if someone's having a pay issue, for example, you know, you might not know that until three days later when they go, oh, sorry, I, I don't have the money to send you. Like things are just so um so much time can pass in between that things can get lost in translation or fall through the cracks it's just a small little other piece of how the business has evolved and changed uh i think a lot more people are getting outed because of social media so that is how i think things are being more policed they're being more policed uh, uh on social media or publicly on that form as opposed to back in the day where if someone didn't pay you you can go well, you have two options you can either fork it up or I shake it out of you, one or the other. Like it's, you know, that's just how 
we've heard the stories were, and that's how it was a little bit earlier on. Um, I personally never came across any of those situations except one time in Mexico. And then I was stopped by someone going, if you go to jail here, we are not getting out. And I went, fair point. <laughs> so that's about as close and as I And they came. know that. It's almost like they know that. They're not, they know, oh, I can get away with it with this person. I can't get away with it with that person. Right now, do you think you mentioned social media being, you know, that's how people are getting outed. But is it also I believe that it's also protecting those people to an extent because you can't you can't go and knock on a shitty promoter's door or something like that and drag him out into the fucking middle of the street the way that you used to be able to, because somebody's going to film it and you're going to end up on world star or something like that. And then you're the bad guy, regardless of what the narrative or the story is, you know what I mean? So like did social media, did social media help in your opinion, or did it hurt the wrestling business? Cause this is something that I, I ask and, and people ask me all the time. Right. I think it's a a wonderful tool when you have to be the king of your own self-promotion. So back in the day, the only way to get your name out there was to, you know, aside from the Ontario Indie Wrestling Board messenger thing, like you had to go out and wrestle on shows to build your name, to build credibility. You had to dip your toes into the States as much as you could or go to all these places. And then if, you know, TNA popped up, you, everybody would try and get in there. And nowadays, it's you can DM a hundred promotions and you can work 25 shows within the first six months. If you, you know, it's just, it's a different day and age and it's a wonderful tool in order to help kind of capitalize on the opportunities that could be in front of you. The only problem is, is that I don't know how many people are as honest. I don't know how many people are uh, as dishonest. The problem is it's always going to be one word against another. That's it. So like you said, if a, somebody calls out a promotion for not paying or for canceling shows, all they have to do is go, there was an issue. Sorry, we had to cancel. We're sorry you feel this way. We'll give you a refund. Now, is everything okay? Or is there a deeper, we'll never know. Like, I don't think it's hurt the business at all. I think it's a fantastic way to um, uh, kind of, again, build your own star if no one else will. Uh the challenge for young talent or the challenge for even talent that has a lot of experience nowadays is picking your battles. So all this stuff we're talking about in terms of promoters or shady or not getting paid or whatever, I wholeheartedly believe that that needs to happen. If I was just starting out wrestling right now and you told me 15 shows to avoid, I'd probably listen to you. But for the most part, I'm going to try and work anywhere I can. 100%. And that's, that's the reason, that's the reason I don't, tell any of our kids and stuff like that you know what i mean i'll tell them after the fact because i'll ask them kind of kind of knowing what kind of answer they're going to give to you oh so how was the show what was your experience like what did you learn from it knowing you know who they're working for and what the answer might be and let them tell me their experience right oh there's four people in the crowd and it sucked okay those four people care did you make them make noise did you stay in character did you work on the things you wanted to work on to get those four people their money's worth? I was like thinking, everything. did you sell a t-shirt or two? Grab them by their, grab them by their ankles. Did you bring merch? Did you bring merch? Right. All these things are tools that you have to go through. There is no money. There is no money in the beginning. I don't care who you are. What? There is no money in the beginning. The money comes with tenure and how you respond to negative situations. You have a kid or I have a kid that goes to a show, doesn't get paid, goes on 
social media and absolutely blast the promotion and blast a bunch of wrestling, sorry, kid, you're probably cutting your legs out. You're dead in the water. Pick your hill to die on. Pick your battles because there's always a bigger battle to fight. Right. Do you remember the first time, like you're talking about merchandise. Do you remember the first time that you like that, you know, because we've all had many, I think there've been many more days inside of the wrestling business where you're standing at that table, not selling stuff than there are where you're selling out stuff. Right. I was petrified. I never did it. Um, I started in O2. I got to WWE in 2006. I never sold merch. Until I never, I was never good at going out like Diener. We all know how Diener is the master. He's a whore. You know, the, the Let's master. call it what it is. It's it's Diener's flea market. And I and listen, don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself because when when you guys were all kids and I was selling, I was the only guy at that merch table who had eight different eight by tens. Five yeah. different t-shirts. You know what I mean? I had a variety of stuff where everybody's like, here's my one eight by 10 or here's my one t-shirt. Oh, I don't like those, but I guess I'm going to support you anyways. You know what I mean? So like, I love the fact that Diener's got, he's got hats. He's got cozies. He's got, you name it. He's got it. He shows up with a bigger bag of merch than he does for his own gear. So he's, he, he gets, and he understands that end of the business or whatever. Right. But it's Matt Cardona is the same way. I was just on a tour with him over in Australia. Yeah. He brought two full gimmick bags. The thing is, I should have learned from watching that. I should have sat and I saw you guys at the table. I saw you at the table with all your stuff. And I just, I just never thought that anybody would care enough. And regardless of how you, you can't think like that, you have to be the king of your own self-promotion. You have to put yourself out there. Whether you stand at that table and you've been wrestling for six months or a year and no one buys anything, you're mingling, you're interacting with your audience, you're getting people an opportunity to get to know who you are. You have to get out in front of people. And for years, I didn't do it. So I, I don't want to say I missed out on a lot of money because reality is I probably didn't, but I missed out on possible connections to get more bookings or to get more opportunities doing something else or traveling somewhere else. You never know. But I missed the opportunity to learn how to be a professional businessman in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah. So all of it is very, very, very important. The tour in Australia, shit, I brought it. I made more money in merch than I did in my pay. So <laughs> lesson learned, <laughs> you know, it's just. Probably, it's had very, something it's, do, probably had something to do with you bringing the wife with you. I'm not going to lie. She sat behind, right beside me the whole damn time. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy your shirt, mister. Whatever your name is. Uh-huh. That's not how it went. I said, hey, if they want one of yours, say they have to take one of mine. That's how this <laughs> That's works, right. brother. That's right. And we're starting we're with smarter. the double X's. We're selling, we're selling the bigger ones first. I only want right. to take home, I want to take home one small. That's it. <laughs> work smarter, not hard. 100 percent Wow. Um, so let me ask you this. Out of all of that time, what's been the biggest lesson? that you've taken away so far, because I know that now you're coaching and stuff. So you're, you're, you're still learning. You're learning with the business as it goes along and stuff like that. What, Always. what's been the biggest lesson, not so much in, in professional wrestling, because here's another one that I, that I like to ask because you've been in it long enough now um, that you know that everything that we do in life ties back in some way, shape or form to the world of professional wrestling, 
right? Like everything. It's like I was, we were, we were talking before and I was, I was saying, you know, every house is an office and every day is, a, is, is a work, you know what I mean? So it's, it's everything that you do. You, I find myself because of the business, I look at trying to work life like a match. Does that make any kind of sense? You know what I mean? Like I, I look at it like, Oh, okay. This really makes me think about things that I've learned in professional wrestling. And if I was in that match, in that situation, how would I handle this situation? Uh, it's just kind of a weird game that I play. So sometimes what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned in wrestling that you've carried over in life. And don't give me, I don't want to hear the be a good person to people. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> But there had to have been something, you know what I mean? There's always something that you learn inside of the business that carries over into your everyday, you know what I mean? Into your real life, your shoot life, uh, more so than anything else. For you, what's it been though? Yeah, and it's it's funny you bring that up. I think uh, to touch on your point about how you approach things, I think it's almost, um, for me, right on the same lines, but you're able to, you're almost ready for, and this is going to sound bad and I don't mean it to sound bad. So I'm trying to find the right words, but you, it, it, for those that aren't in the industry or that love it and read up on it, you hear about, Oh, well, so-and-so said this online and this was supposed to happen. It didn't happen. Or they just released this person. And like, I think within professional wrestling, you've been around it long enough. You're almost ready for anything good, bad, and indifferent. Like tomorrow I could lose my job. That's the reality. They can call me tomorrow and say, look, we haven't been using you much on TV. We're just going to cut ties. I, I'm not like, um, I'm not okay with that, but I'm also not flipping out about that. I'm like, yeah, I ex that could happen. I'm very well aware of the fact that could, the bottom can drop out at any time. In wrestling, because nothing is ever really guaranteed, you have to be okay with, with that for one, but adapting to that as you go along. I tell a lot of the kids or even a lot of talent that ask me like that are having problems dealing with either lack of television time or the pressure of television time. I go, we sign up, professional wrestlers, we sign up for the maybes. We sign up for the maybes. Maybe we'll get a push, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll win something, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll get a contract, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll get hurt, maybe we won't. We, we don't know. We have to be okay with putting our name on the dotted line or taking a booking, knowing that it might and might not work out. Um, so I think in terms of wrestling, like you're saying, you approach life, like when something just, if I have a plan tomorrow to do this appointment, go to this event and the shit falls apart, I'm going to be like, ah, oh, it sucks. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll just go another day. But to further or that we'll point, to further that point though, I think that that's, that's something that you learn. Now you just said it, you're teaching your kids young enough in the business. That's something that you learn in the business. Maybe I'll get a match. Maybe I won't. Like it starts off with the, the, go to the shows. Don't, don't assume that you're already booked. Go to the shows, help set up, talk to people, meet them. Maybe you will get a match. Maybe you'll be asked to do something like it's the, the whole maybe thing is bred into us at a very young age of the, of the business. You know what I mean? So it makes sense. It's just, it, it's just, it's getting comfortable knowing that the only guarantee is that there isn't one. That's it. Yeah. That is yeah. all. So what I kind of have learned from wrestling uh, is that if you stay, this is what I've learned only for me personally. If you stay in the game long enough, 
and you do things right. Now, what you consider right can be a variety of things. If you stay in the game long enough, you do things right, something will eventually roll your way. You'll get it. You'll get an opportunity. Uh, those doing things right is, is putting in the effort. Whatever it is, you've got your 50% covered. Someone else will meet you halfway. You're ready, so you never have to get ready. You are, I'm a firm believer that um, your word, and there's another thing I think is dying a little bit, your word is everything. If I give you my word, take it wherever, take it to the bank, because it's, yeah. I'll buy it. I won't break it for nothing. Um, but I don't give it out very much. Right. Uh, so whatever you consider that good um, is very, very valuable in terms of longevity, in terms of staying in the game and how you respond to the negative stuff or the roadblocks, because there's going to be a lot more of them than there's going to be high, high points. That's also going to determine that part of that good. You can ruin it all very quick. If you ever, you, you know, you talk about your word and then the negativity on, you know, how they kind of go together sometimes, because I know it's happened to me. Has it ever happened to you where you've had somebody try to cut your legs out from underneath you? You're booked, you're booked on a, you're booked on a show or booked to do a tour or something like that. And then you find out from the promoter that somebody else has contacted them to, you know, Hey, if you bring me in instead, I'll do it for blah, blah, blah. That much less. Has that ever happened to you? If it has, I don't know about it. Oh, you're um, so lucky you didn't know about it. If, if it has, no one, no promoter or no other talent has ever come around to tell me like, oh, so-and-so. Um, I've had my legs cut out like in, the, in you know, big companies. But sure. That's, that's a different animal. That's that's how that works. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, and, politicking, and politicking is everything up after a certain point. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, it's, and, and here's the thing. It's not what people think. It's... When I say it's not like someone said, "Oh, fuck Spears, don't don't use him." It's just like, "Hey, I got an idea," and then they go, "Oh, that's okay. Let's let's do that. Let's do that." Then, like, right. it's not malicious. It's just business. Right. And if you're not someone who is on top of that or eager to engage in that, and I look, I'm not. I I, I can't bring work home with me. I can't be upset i can't let it affect how i treat my son or my wife i can't let that happen i can't take it out on my student i don't want to do that so again like i was talking about before you got to learn to roll and adapt with how things operate have an understanding of it and if you do that and you put in your 50 percent, you'll be able to last in this industry for however long or, you want to. or you'll learn to ride with the riders that's I don't. <laughs> I, I ride by myself on these long. But you know it happens. You know it fucking happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> but here's the thing: I can concern myself with that, or I cannot. Right. And I choose yeah. not to. I'm yeah. not going to go that route. That's what. Hey, all the power to you. All the power to you. I'm not. Because, <laughs> because it's dirty. It's just, it's just, it feels gross when you hear about it. You know what I mean? You're just like, ah, oh, really? Ah, oh, that sucks. But you know, what are you gonna uh, do? It, it's wrestling. It's. It happens in every. It happens in the movies. It happens in the music, and it happens everywhere. It's the most. Yeah, because well, no, now listen, and I can say this because I was in the music industry for 
a very small period of time. I played in a band. We had, you know, a, a record thing and toured and did all of that when I was younger before I got into wrestling. So you're exactly right. Like that, the, there's so many parallels and even more. So what I found comedians, the comedy lifestyle seems to be very, very similar to really? the professional. Yeah. Because you got to think about it. It's a lot of, you know, one, two, maybe three guys into a car, all traveling together, going from like night to night, from city to city, to different clubs, sleeping who's in the car, all, sh all sharing, all sharing a hotel room together. You know what I mean? Like there's so many similarities I found just from having conversations with a bunch of, you know, our comedian friends that, that I talk to and stuff. And it's like, and I love comedy. So that makes me love it even more. That's, that's fantastic. Dude. Who are you hot on right now? Matt Reif. Oh, well, I mean that. Okay. I didn't mean like fucking hot on that way. I mean, like for their comedy, come on now. He's still pretty. He's that still, dude. Uh, no, no, he's a fuck. He's a fuck boy. And I he, am fully okay with it. Like it is. He, <laughs> I just love his, uh, I mean, if we're going all time, if we're going all time, you know, I'm sure. Chappelle. I think Chappelle yeah. is just top of the line. Uh, but you know, he's, it seems like, I think what I can appreciate about Matt is that he, I don't know how much of it is in the show. And that's the best part is I don't know if right. a lot of it is spontaneous or not, but he's very quick on his feet. Yes. So if you have to cut a promo and you got two minutes to do it, here's your information. Go three, two, one. He can jump in. He can just, you see what you just did there. You see what you just did there? You just, wrestling. you just, yeah, exactly. It all comes all back wrestling. to what you learn in pro wrestling. And I do the same so thing. <laughs> so I can appreciate that in another field where I go, this guy's good, man. Okay. This guy, yeah. I might not be going up like lap, but I might be going, this guy's good. He's yeah. got me. He's good. So yeah. right now, yeah, he's pretty and I appreciate his comedy. Right. I don't know if you've seen it yet, yet or not, or if you're a fan, Shane Gillis has a new special out on netflix if you get a chance check it out it's hilarious shane gillis, shane okay. gillis. he just got right. done doing doing the tour with um burt kreischer and a bunch of the guys that big tour that kreischer just got off of nice. you know what i mean like yeah shane's he's blowing up all over the place too but he's got a he's got a new special very funny i'm a I huge fan of matt rife as well i mean he shows up on all listen he's like herpes though you know what I mean? Because like you just get one little bit of it into your algorithm and boom, it takes, he takes over your algorithm yeah. completely. It's, it's almost yeah, like self-promotion, baby. It's a little Everybody disturbing, knows is, right? It's, it's a little disturbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody forgets syphilis. Everybody knows herpes though. <laughs> or chlamydia. Son of a bitch. Uh, right. I remember it was just called drippy dick one day. <laughs> uh sean i want to thank you so much man i listen it's been it's been an hour and it just it flies really? by i know this is what i'm saying right it That's just we're brother we're brother and then we don't we don't time doesn't exist no and we don't talk about i could give a shit about who you're working when you're you know when you're coming back that's for so many of those other podcasts and shows to worry about there's so many of them out there you can go do a million of those things i appreciate you coming by just just to have a conversation with me brother you that's know the I mean? reason i came by my man i wow. knew what i was getting into i knew it wasn't gonna be anything like that and let me tell you i was looking forward to it that's the thing i love about this show so but i would be remiss if i didn't you know allow you to let's get the plugs in before we wrap this whole thing up like where can people check you out if they want to pursue their career 
You know what I mean? And, and I don't mean just in the Florida area. I mean, if you got to be willing to travel, sometimes that means the best places to travel to, to learn are not in your immediate area. Where can they get a hold of you for that kind of stuff? Uh, I will plug my school first. So flatbackswrestlingschool.com. So um, I also do seminars. So if there's promoters or independents or things like that, I, uh, I love doing seminars too, giving out as much information as possible. The social handles are at Sean Spears. And I do have some things on there in terms of shows I have coming up. But other than that, it's all just little um, pr- promotional stuff. But Flatbacks Wrestling School is the main um the main way to get a hold of us. There's only a few other schools. I'll plug a few other schools only because in the States, obviously there's yours in Canada, but in the States, it's either Flatbacks, Nightmare Factory, or Black and Brave, which is Seth Rollins School. Those are the only three schools that I would recommend in the United States today. No disrespect to anybody. I just, those are the ones that I've known because I've personally wrestled their guys. So. Awesome. Awesome. And before we go, I want to get the question because we're talking dream about match question. I'm going to nope. lose my mind. No, nope, I wasn't even going to say it, but yeah, since we're there, what is your dream match, Mr. Spears? Oh my God. <laughs> I think I got to talk to your wife. Let me talk to your yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It is the silliest question I think that anybody could ask. Is it not? You can't answer it. It's How impossible. Could, right. It is impossible to answer that. There's, there's, you can't. Because I think that because even if you had it, Oh, this is my dream match. I want to get in the ring with so-and-so one day. And then finally it happens. It's never, ever, ever going to be your dream match because then all of a sudden you're going to be like new dream, Yep, new dream. It's got to be something different. So yeah, you're exactly right. But, but everybody asks it because you know, they're all, hi, Mr. Spears. Can I ask you three questions, please? It's that one. (laughs) It's that one. It's the Mount Rushmore one. Uh, or, or it's, Hey, so when are we going to see you on TV again? It's like, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. TV. Right. Right. There's an old episode of cops. You can watch it anytime. I'm on there. there. You go. <laughs> <laughs> have you, uh, have you picked out the kids first Halloween costume yet? Yes. Yes. Don't I tell have, it yeah. better not be you. It better fucking not be you. <laughs> well, give him some big ass ears and a shitty haircut. Yeah. That'd be me, buddy. Uh, no, this is, uh, but I, I am so. What I wanted, okay, was a big ass, full ass Michael Myers, and then a little mini. Like he's close; he can stand and he can take two steps, and then he sits down. He's very close to walking. Uh, but I want a little mini Michael Myers so I can sit him in his wagon and drag him down the street with his mask and all that shit. And she went out and bought him a Winnie the Pooh, a little Winnie the Pooh outfit, which is cute as shit. Don't get me wrong. But here's the best part. I went on Amazon and I bought a full big ass Tigger costume. So I am going down the street, dragging my son in his wagon as Winnie the Pooh, and I'm Tigger. I'm his best friend, Tigger. So I can't wait for it. And uh, yeah, I'll probably post pictures to prove that shit because I don't give a fuck. It's all about it's moments, awesome. right? It's all about 100%. moments. And this is why it goes back to professional wrestling because even in professional wrestling, it's not about what you do, it's about the moment that you make. How you make people feel, baby. Right. And I'm glad that we've had to have got to have this moment right here with Me my too, buddy, buddy, the good brother, Sean Spears. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. And uh, stick around for a second, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay a couple of bills. When we come back, we're going to wrap this whole thing up in a nice tight bow. Sit right there. You'll be right back. You're listening to The Law Live Audio Wrestling.
this November, get ready for a face-melting, riff-raging, ear-blasting, rock-and-roll extravaganza. Monster Trucks Dive Bar Tour 2023 Ontario Edition. November 24th, the Dominion House in Windsor, Windsor, Windsor. November 25th, the Harb in Owen Sound. We'd sell you the whole seat, but it's standing room only. Get your tickets today at fanatickets.com. And we are back on The Law, live audio wrestling. Chris, oh, you did it again. You did it again, my (laughs) friend. You sat down and got the best interview out of Sean Spears. I wouldn't even say that's an interview. It was just a conversation when someone hit record. How do you do this? Well, listen, it's just, and that's just that. It's a conversation between good brothers. And when you, you know, the thing that I liked about that was, was listening to him talk about his original name that he came up with, right? And the story behind it. And of course, in doing so, you end up, you end up revealing a little bit more about yourself than you want to as well, because nobody ever knew that story about me calling myself Pipe Mm -hmm. in that first match. A very small handful of people at best might've known that. So if I can continue to give those kinds of conversations, I'm not even going to call them interviews, those conversations to all of you right here on the law, live audio wrestling, then listen, I'm a happy camper. My well, work is done. I've got a quick uh, Sean Spears story for you. Uh, for people that don't know, um, I was trained by Eric Young uh, at WrestlePlex, as you just heard them talking about mm-hmm. uh, Jer, Eric Young at WrestlePlex and the legacy of people that came through it. I'm the one with the least legacy that came through there. Um, And when I walked in the very first day, I was about 104 pounds soaking wet, five foot five, scared as sin to get into this thing. I walk into the gym. I look in the ring and I see I see Sean doing nip ups. And I just thought to my head, I'm like, turn around and walk out of here. These guys are going to kill you. He was so athletically gifted and so intimidating and had so much charisma just when he was in the ring by himself doing nip ups that I was like, I'm never going to be this. You might as well just leave now. So he's always had it. Uh, it's it was a great interview. He's a highly intelligent person. Um, anybody check out flatbacks. Like I'm telling you, if you're in that area or you're not, it's going to be worth traveling. Uh, I, I can't wait for next week's interview. Well, Speaking thank you. Of, thank you. We've got this. Yes, we do have this stuff lined up already. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Who's on a, next week? It's going to be fantastic. Listen, we are going to sit down. We're going to give you all of the highlights from that UFC 295. There's no doubt about it. We are looking forward to that. And next week, I had the privilege of sitting down with the one, the only, the original Sin. That's right, Kazarni. Sin Bodhi. Uh, Nick, what was Uncle it? Uncle Nick. Nick Uncle Nick Hardcastle yeah. at one time. That's right. Not Sexton Hardcastle, but his good friend and probably eh, closest to a twin without being a twin, <laughs> Uncle Nick. So I'm looking forward to that one, Brady. Listeners, 
make sure you tune into the Law Live Audio Wrestling. Whatever podcasting platform or wherever you found this, please give it a like. Please give it a rating. Check out smeradio.com or facebook.com slash smeradio for not only this show, but for the flagship show with Boris. Uh, you've got tons of different shows, NXT reviews. you got AEW reviews, SmackDown, Raw. There's so much there. Guys, there's an aftercast that just went up about Crown Jewel with Eric and randy so many people the team is large very bountiful check it on out i'm done chris you got stuff you want to say before we roll this right out if there's one thing that i can say is that snme radio has made it very simple for you to not need to go anywhere else whatever your needs are whatever the thing that you need to hear about professional wrestling that is exactly where you need to be because they've got you covered they got you back and they always have and they always will so be sure to check out all of those other shows spread some love right and of course you can always check out my stuff on any of my video stuff if you don't get enough of hearing my stupid voice and you want to see my stupid face you can go check me out on youtube at tid talk at t-i-d-t-a-l-k for all of the different shows that i do over there plus a bunch of clips from those shows if you can only put up with me in short spurts much like this man brady wedham can and that been said Otherwise, you can just hear us next week right here on the Law Live Audio Wrestling. For Brady, I am Chris Tidwell. This has been another edition of the Law Live Audio Wrestling. And until next week, tuck your chin. Thank you for listening to the Law Live Audio Wrestling with Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. You can email any questions or comments to be read on air to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com.